0: As a Child, God's Call to Littleness, by me, Phil Steer. Episode 14, Obedient. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. When my daughter turned 11, she received a birthday card that proclaimed, Getting older is fun. It means you don't have to do what you're told. Molly, age six. This young child's remark makes us smile because even as grown-ups we recognise the truth of it. For children are forever being told what to do, forever having their lives ordered by others. From when to get up to when to go to bed, and all points in between. Eat this food, wear these clothes, go to school, do this work, come here, go there, do this, don't do that, and so on and so on. Of course, as adults our days are far from wholly our own, but, nonetheless, most of us would struggle to cope with even a fraction of the commands and demands that children are expected to follow, with their lack of autonomy and self-determination. Perhaps this is why some of us struggle with the whole concept, still less the practice, of obedience to God. Instinctively we agree with Molly. We're grown-ups now and old enough to decide for ourselves how we live our lives. We don't need or want anyone else, even God, telling us what to do. Little children need to be told what to do, because they do not yet have the experience and maturity to make wise and appropriate decisions for themselves. They need looking after, and they need a strong guiding hand. And in some ways, this is true of us as children of God. Our Heavenly Father knows far better than we do how we should live our lives. And he wants to protect us from situations and behaviour that would be damaging to ourselves or to others. It is in our very best interest to open our ears to his instructions and commands, through his word, through the words of others, through the prompting of his Holy Spirit, through whatever means he chooses, and to respond with the obedience of little children. But in seeking obedience from our children, those of us who are parents are doing more than just trying to ensure that they do the right thing here and now in this or that situation. More importantly, we are trying to prepare them for the future, to teach them how to behave, to know right from wrong, to be able to make those wise and appropriate decisions for themselves. As the book of Proverbs counsels, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not turn from it. We seek to train our children in obedience, in the hope that they will choose to walk in obedience. For true obedience is to be found not so much in doing as we are told, as in doing for ourselves what we already know to be right. As Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, slaves, obey your earthly masters, not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. If this is how it was to be between slaves and their masters, how much more should it be between children and their parents, and between children of God and their heavenly father? As parents, We don't want forever to be telling our children what to do and when to do it, to be making all their decisions for them. Rather, we want them more and more to take responsibility for themselves, to make their own way in the world, to flourish and to grow as the individuals that God has created them to be. Yes, we will always be there for them, ready to offer our advice and counsel if it is needed and asked for. But we will no longer be directing and determining their lives as we once did. And this is how it should be. In the same way, I believe, God does not want us to become mindlessly dependent on him, forever asking him what to do, never making any decisions for ourselves, never taking any responsibility ourselves. Rather, as our perfect parent, he wants us to grow in our faith, to be trained in obedience, so that increasingly we will know and choose for ourselves the way we should go. As Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In the book of Deuteronomy, we find the following promise and encouragement from God to his people. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. God has told us how to live through his commandments. He has placed this word in our heart by his Holy Spirit. Now we are not to sit wondering and worrying about what to do, but rather to set off to walk in obedience, trusting that he'll be there at our shoulder to help us stay on the straight and narrow. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus said that he had come that we might have life in all its fullness. Yet, as a friend so astutely observed, too often Christianity looks more like life in all its emptiness. Like children over-anxious to please their parents, we can be paralysed into inaction. So desperate to do right, or not do wrong, that we do nothing. But God, I believe, is far more frustrated by our inaction than he is by the mistakes that we make in trying to live our lives. Jesus came and lived and died to enable us to live and make mistakes. Not that we should deliberately sin or put ourselves into the path of temptation. By no means, says Paul. But were there no forgiveness in and through Jesus, we would indeed be paralysed by the fear of doing wrong. Although our inaction would, of course, be sin in itself. In the evil we have done and in the good we have not done. But because of Jesus, we can go out into the world and live, seeking to bring his light and life into the deadness and darkness, risking failure and mistakes, because we know that he will not condemn us, but rather forgive us, restore us, and set us right. But of course, there are times when God wants us to obey not just his universal commands to all people, but also his specific direction for us as individuals. And I, for one, know that I have a long way to go when it comes to learning to listen and being willing to obey. I must admit to having a certain fondness for Jonah, who, when God told him, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, instead ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. I strongly suspect that I would have done the same. But the more we learn to be obedient to God's universal commands, the more we will be prepared to obey when he gives us specific direction. And this may even have been true of Jesus. For as the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. At first sight, this would seem to suggest that before Jesus learned obedience, he must have been disobedient. But this cannot be right, because the same writer tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So it is not that Jesus was ever disobedient, but rather that his obedience reached new levels in his suffering and death on the cross. The self-denial and self-sacrifice that was asked of him by his heavenly father was more than had ever been asked of him before, was more indeed than had ever or would ever be asked of anyone in the history of the world. At his moment of decision in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus knew that he faced the prospect of an agonising death nailed to a cross. Yet this was not what made his obedience unique, for countless others have suffered similarly horrible deaths. No, terrible as this was, Jesus faced something far more terrible still, to have all the sins of the world piled upon him, as if it were he who had thought and said and done all of these things, and so to lose the intimacy that he had enjoyed with his father from everlasting to everlasting. This was no easy thing, even for the Son of God. As Luke tells us, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And it was at this point, when his father was asking him to make the ultimate sacrifice, that Jesus demonstrated his ultimate obedience. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. Could it be that even Jesus had to be brought to this level of obedience? That if the cross had come earlier in his life in ministry, he might at that time have been unable to go through with it. For we must always remember that although fully God, Jesus was also fully human. He came as a baby and he needed to grow. He grew in strength and he grew in wisdom. So why should he not also grow in obedience? And if Jesus grew into obedience to what God was calling him to do, then so can we. Obedience requires the setting aside of self and of self-determination, of the freedom to feel that we can have what we want and do what we want, whenever we want. It requires, in a word, humility. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The humility of Christ was the humility of a little child, for he made himself nothing, as a little child is nothing. And the obedience of Christ was the obedience of a little child, for it came not from submission to authority, like a slave with his master, but rather from the childlike relationship with his heavenly Father, for he did what he saw his Father doing. This was not primarily obedience to instruction and command, but rather a heartfelt desire to join his Father in his work. And as it was for Christ, so should it be for us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of As a Child. I do hope you'll join me as I read the rest of the book. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And I'd be so grateful if you would rate, review and share, so that more people can get to hear it. Thank you so much. Next episode, Discipline.